Hello and welcome back. My name is Dr. Christopher Gennari. This is Great Big History Podcast. Uh, this is going to be the collapse of the Roman Empire. Here's a little shout out to everyone who's been with us so far. We've got like 20 or so episodes. We're doing going strong. Glad that you could come along. So today we destroy the Roman Empire. The destruction of the Roman Empire may be the most written about topic in history. It is the great question. How did a civilization, perhaps the greatest one of the ancient world, collapse under the flood of illiterate, smelly, furry barbarians? How is that possible? And... The fact that it is possible, what does it say about the strength of our own civilizations? So there are a lot of different reasons. Everything from the end of slavery to Edward Gibbons, Christianity made everyone weak and wussified the Roman Empire, to lead in the pipes made everyone idiots, to uh, slaves were not having enough children, to... Uh, volcanoes destroyed the soil to er, to basically everything. If you could figure out a reason, I go with the old school internal divisions caused an external collapse. Boom. Um, there are plenty of historians who will more or less follow this. and uh, This may be the more or less mainstream view, but I'm not a, a historian. Uh, I am a historian, but I'm not a historian of Roman collapse. So I don't know what the most cited, most prevalent, most agreed on uh, answer is. But I start with bad emperors, man. We had a hundred years of bad emperors. We had emperors that were so bad, they averaged less than six months in office. If the Roman Empire was created to provide stability, the third century crisis, the period from 180 AD, the death of Marcus Aurelius to the ascension of Diocletian is all about bad emperors messing everything up and in creating instability. We have a series of civil wars, a hundred years. Again, we're back to a hundred years of civil wars. That's instability. The empire is adrift. No one's making the laws. No one's building any big things. The, 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 even the army is collapsing because why would you go into the Roman army knowing you're just going to get butchered by another Roman? So even the Roman changes. They begin hiring the barbarians, Goths, Germans. They don't hire Romans anymore. Or they, they, it's hard to do so. Uh, there's no help from the patricians. They left government. They went to a small town. They went local. Now, the patricians are going to be interesting because they become the local lords of the Middle Ages. They are the local, they, see, they want respect. Now, they used to be a big fish in a big pond, and they liked that. They could do things in that pond. And then came the killer whale. And the pond stopped being a big pond. First, they were, they were a big fish in a small pond. Then they were a big fish in a big pond, and they liked that. And then they were a big fish in an ocean 
with a killer whale, the emperor. And you know what killer whales do to big fish? They eat them. They gobble them all up. And maybe spit out the bones. Or maybe not, because, you know, who cares? They're a fish and we ate them. So, if you're not going to get any respect, if you're not going to get anything done, if you're not important in Rome, in the world of the emperor, why stay? And what a lot of these guys do is go local. They go out to the edges of the empire, find some small town or medium-sized town, and they show up and they become the big guy. They become El Jefe. They become the boss. They become boss man. They become big daddy. And all of those various different words that mean the most important person in the town. And you could watch your movies, everything from Chocolat to Roadhouse to um, Downton Abbey, all of Downton Abbey, which is not a movie, it's a TV show, but still, uh, to... Pride and Prejudice with Mr. Darcy, Mr. Bingley and Mr. Darcy, especially Mr. Darcy, these become the local big shots of the town. And that's important. Why? Because they have money and they have prestige and they still have their connections back to Rome. They can get stuff done back in Rome. They can get Rome to do stuff for this dinky little town. And they have the most important thing, they have money. And poor people need money. Ordinary people need money. The middle class and the poor people need money. And so when people need money for because their, their cows died, what do they do? They go up to the rich guy. Uh, Mr. Rich Guy, can, can I um, ask you uh, for um, money to buy a couple cows? All my cows died of a weird disease. And what does the local rich guy do looking at this guy from his big house and his big hole? This dirt, this guy full, you know, covered in dirt, smelling of poo. What does he do? He says, of course, I would love to. How many cows do you want? How many did you have? I had three. I'll give you ten. And in exchange, when we have an election for mayor... I just happen to be running this year. And who do you think is gonna, he's going to vote for? So they take their patron-client relationship we talked about back in the Roman Legion and they bring it to the small town because they're the, they're the rich guy who could get stuff done. You want to put on a pageant, a play in high school? Who's going to fund it? Who's going who's gonna, to... Now you have to go... And you could go to everybody and you could go, can you give $5, please? If we get $1,000, we could we could have a pageant for the kindergarten. Or you could go to the local rich guy and say, you have millions of dollars. Can you spare $1,000 and we'll put on the pageant? And the local rich guy says, yes, of course. Of course, I'd be happy to. Name it after me. And now you have the Billy pageant. For kindergarteners. Woohoo! I have a pageant. That's my pageant. Of course, I love pageants. And the soccer trophy for the soccer tournament that they do every spring, also named after Billy. 
and the the winner of the best piano recital in the winter are an award also named after Senor Billy. This is how the Godfather works. Watch the first 10 minutes of the Godfather. This is how the society worked. It was a patron client. I have money, but I want respect. And the people say, I need money to do cool things around for both myself and for the town. And we are happy to give you respect if you're willing to help us out. Now, these are the guys who are going to become lords in the Middle Ages because when the barbarians come through and they come through and they go, we're going to murder everybody. We are barbarians. We're going to kill everybody. These are the guys who go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hi, I'm Billy. And I'm the local lord. I'm in charge here. I'm the mayor. Now, you have big axes. And I respect that. Why, thank you, Mr. Billy. But if you kill everybody, no one can pay taxes. Uh, what are taxes? We come from Germany. We have no idea what taxes are. Oh, that's where poor people pay you to not kill them. Oh, wait. So, Mr. Billy, you're telling me I can kill them and take their money. Or I can just let them keep living and they'll pay me even more money year after year after year? Uh-huh. Oh, why didn't we think of that? That's a great idea. All we keep doing is fighting each other and killing each other. I love that idea. But I don't know how to collect taxes. Don't worry, Mr. Barbarian Dude with the furry face and the big axe. I can handle that for you. I'll collect the money and I'll give it to you. All you have to do is promise not to kill everybody. And leave me in charge. Why, of course we're going to leave you in charge. You can get me the money. I like that. What can I do with the money? What can we do with money? I don't have money. You have money? I don't have money. What can we do? You could buy lots of cool stuff. A big house. Or, or, or a fancy army. Ooh. Usually we just fight because we like to kill people. Now we can make them up. I love this idea. This civilization is great. And so the patricians will live on and become, become absorbed into French, Franco, uh, German, Italian societies and be the local lords and be important people because they are now the connection between Rome and the barbarians and they are the protection for ordinary people. So the Roman Empire, the Roman emperors start fighting among, the Roman emperors start a hundred years of war where they slam away at each other, general after general after general. The patricians are like, dude, I don't need this crap. I'm going to stay, do my own thing in my own little town where everybody likes me. The effect of this is, as we talked about, the army gets worse. It becomes less Roman. It becomes less regimented. It becomes less professional and starts to hire Germans and Goths barbarians into it. 
So, so much so that by the 300s, people don't open their gates to a Roman army anymore because they don't know, is it a Roman army or is it an invading German army? You look at them and they're, they're like almost all Germans. And then a, then the emperor shows up. He's like, I'm the emperor. Open up your gates. What are you doing? And they're like, yeah, we can't trust that these guys aren't going to burn everything down. We don't know who they are. They ain't Romans. And so the army gets worse. Now, all we need is for nothing bad to happen. We can recover from this. We can recover from this. All we need is for nothing bad to happen. But guess what happens? Something terribly, horribly bad. Really bad. Vegetables for dinner bad. Terribly bad. The Huns enter Europe. Now, the Huns got beaten up by Han, H-A-N, China. We'll talk about them in a little while. They got beaten up by Han, China. And they got sent across Central Asia. And they are Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball. And when Miley Cyrus is on a wrecking ball and coming for you, what do you do? You get out of the way. And they are a wrecking ball across, coming across Central Asia. Now, most people hang a left. The Medes did. The Persians did. Lots of people hang a left and enter the Middle East and then burn down the Middle East. The Turks will in the future. Genghis Khan will. Or you can hang a right and go right into the forests of Russia. What will become the forests of Russia at this point? It's not Russia. And then pop out into, into what is today Poland and Eastern Germany. And that's exactly what the Huns did. And the Huns are horsemen. The Huns are horse nomads on the move. And they are pissed off. And they have Attila at their head. And Attila is mad at everybody. He has not had a good nap in decades. He is cranky. And so he's Attila the Hun. Uh, Christians trying to understand this will look at their Bible, because you're a Christian, so you look at the Bible and go, um, 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 oh, four horsemen of the apocalypse. This must be one of them. And I want to say their death. I want to say the horseman that they pick in the 400s is death, but I can't guarantee that. But I think it's death. Death or war, but I want to say it's death. But that's how they explain the Huns as the end of the world plague sent by God. I mean, that's what we're talking about, about how bad they are. Um, the Huns scare everybody. They scare the Goths. They scare the Germans. And what that does is push the Goths and the Germans. Now, they're in the way. And they're, they're up against the Danube River and the Rhine River, and they're on this border with Rome. And they are so scared of the Huns, they just pour right over. They're like, we'll deal with the Romans later. We got to get out of the way. We have Miley Cyrus, a wrecking ball, and Attila the Hun. This is bad. This is homework over summer break bad. This is real bad news. And so they get out of the way. The Germans head west into Gaul, into France. The Goths head south into the Balkans. Now, even this isn't terrible. Even this we can deal with. The bad emperor's part, 
we needed stability, and we got it for a little while under Diocletian and Constantine, and then uh, the world fell apart again. But we needed stability. Again, we can handle this. The German barbarians are maybe 100,000, 200,000. We're, we're an empire of 25 to 50 million people. We can absorb that. This is like people who freak out about Syrian refugees. Oh my God, the Syrians are coming. There's like 10,000 of them. You all, you're a country of 300 million. Do you know what that does? Prick your finger. Make a little dribble of blood at the top of it. Then pour it into your bathtub. And then swirl it around. And then ask yourself, where did it go? Was that magic? Did it disappear? No, it's still there. It's just been diluted into the whole sea. So the Romans could have absorbed them. And they have the methodology. They have Nascio, N-A-T-I-O. They could be like, hey, you can become Roman. We'll beat you up. We'll do it like we did in the old days. We will beat you up, absorb you. You'll work for us. You'll become Roman in a generation. Your kids will be Roman. And you'll work for us. And in a hundred years, we'll f- bygones, man. We won't even worry about it. Look at the goals. You, you can't even look at the goals. They're Romans now. It's been 500 years. They're totally Roman. And we, the Romans, we, the Romans could have absorbed them. We have the methodology. We have the ability. All we have to do is win a couple of battles. Push them back. Say, whoa. And absorb them on our terms. Because right now they're just running. And then we could all gang up together, fight the Huns, and absorb them. And, well, maybe not absorb the Huns, but at least push them back into Europe. We can do this. Rome doesn't have to fall in 400 AD. It doesn't have to. It doesn't look good, but there's a lot of strengths going on. We have a 500-year civilization. We have huge cities. We got water. We got food. We got 50 million people we can call upon. Had this happened... In the age of Augustus, in the age of uh, Trajan or Hadrian in 100 AD, they would have laughed. <laughs> Germans, they're silly people. Horse people, the Huns. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't in 100 AD. It was in 400 AD. And the empire had suffered for 100 years on the Civil War. A lot of its structures were cracking, were ossifying, were be- had become brittle, and it was like a diseased tree rotting from the inside. Now, it could be fixed, but it needed time. And so we need victories. And so we have our map just to show you what's going on. The Huns come in from the east. They come across Russia into Poland. There's the Germans and the Goths. The Germans will head east. They'll head left. The Goths will head south. And all we have to do is have a victory. And what happens? The Battle of Adrianople happens. A titanic disaster defeat. The Battle of Adrianople is a complete defeat. The army goes down. An emperor is killed. Um, 
the it is such a de bad defeat the empire breaks in half the empire just breaks into two there's the new capital at Constantinople that Constantine built as a Christian kind of Rome, an Eastern capital. And then there's Rome. And there's two emperors. There's Rome in the West. There's Constantinople in the East, which means there's two emperors, two armies, two of everything. There's two capitals, which means there's half as much to deal with the problems. Because the emperor in the East says, well, I'm not dealing with those Western problems. F that guy. And the emperor in the West says, hey, I'm going to keep everything I've got. Forget the guy in the East. It's mine. And so there's two emperors, two armies, two of everything, two capitals. But only half as much to deal with all of the problems. And so what we have is this overwhelming wave of peoples and this is one of my favorite maps because it's incredibly hard to find because this is a map of essentially all the movements of peoples it's an old school map because modern maps show like three or four lines they have the huns they have the visigoths they have the franks or quote-unquote the germans and then they'll have a, a second line that comes out of that called the vandals because someone has to go to north africa and but this has everybody. And you can see just how bad this is if you're a Roman. This is a wave, tidal wave of people coming over you that you, after Adrianople, can't stop. And it's especially true in the West. Now, the East, we'll talk about as the Byzantine Empire later on. The East is saved by Constantinople. And you can see it. Those lines that come into from the North, they come down to the East. And they kind of bend in and then shoot out. And there's all of that yellow on the map. That's Turkey. That's Syria. That's Palestine. And that's Egypt. Where there's no lines. That's all because the barbarians couldn't get through Constantinople. They looked up at those giant walls. And they said, yeah. And like a pinball, they got shot out into somewhere else. And they ended up going west. Into Italy. Into France. Into Spain. The Visigoths win the Battle of Adrianople in Greece, on the northern end of Greece. They end up in Spain. What, 2,000 miles away? Something ridiculous like that? So Rome breaks into pieces that care about different things. Constantinople cares about the Balkans, southeastern Europe, and... The East, Persia, its, it's border in the Middle East. Rome cares about its border in Switzerland, in Austria, its northern border with Germany, and its Gallic and British lands. So the two capitals care about different things. And so what happens? What happens is a series of bad events. In 406, the Germans come over the Rhine. There was a bad winter. It was a cold winter. The Rhine froze and everybody who's everybody comes rolling through. In 410, Rome is sacked and that's the western half essentially collapses. From that point on, every different province is on their own in the west. Every little town is on their own. There'll be emperors in the west, but for all intents and purposes, they don't matter. They stink. In 476, there's the last Roman emperor, basically a Ostrogothic, an Eastern Gothic barbarian general said, you know what, emperor? 
you're you're like a kid, you're like 18. Why don't you take a vacation and never come back? And the kid said, okay, I'll leave. Bye. And that's the last Roman emperor. We don't have to murder him. He doesn't matter enough to murder. We just say, don't come back here no more. And he went, okay. And that's it. There will be an emperor still in the East. There's still an emperor in Constantinople. In fact, that guy gets a package. He gets a, he gets a letter in the mail. He gets a big package in the mail. He goes, oh, what's this? Is it Christmas already? Like, no, this is from Rome. It's like, oh, that's going to be bad. Opens it up, and it's the crown, and it's the scepter, and it's, it's the cloak. It's the silk purple cloak that Roman emperors wear. And they go, yeah, and there's a little note saying, congratulations. They go, oh, congratulations. Well, congratulations for what? Uh, dear Emperor in the East, congratulations on being the only Roman Emperor left. I go, yay, that's nice. I'm the only Roman Emperor. I'm the true Roman Emperor. And that's the start of the Byzantine Empire, the Roman Empire in the East. Weakened by civil war, destroyed by barbarian invasions from outside the empire. Basically, the Romans didn't believe in Rome anymore. The Romans could have won. The Romans don't have to go down fighting or not fighting in a lot of ways. But the idea became the emperor can't protect them from either Roman armies or from foreign armies. And people made the best deal they could. And that deal happened to be with a German chief. A Persian king. A Gothic lord. They didn't believe in Rome anymore, so they wouldn't fight for Rome, and they didn't care about saving Rome. Now, in the 500s, there's a brief a chance to recreate Rome under Justinian. Justinian is the last Roman emperor in Rome. He's the last emperor that speaks. He's the last Roman emperor in Constantinople. He's the last one that speaks Latin. He thinks of himself as a Roman emperor. He sees himself as the new Constantine and thus the new Augustus. And he's like, you know what? This sucks. We, Rome, should be united. And he makes an attempt and he comes close to doing it. He conquers Italy. He gets back Rome. He conquers Sicily from the barbarians and gets that back. He uses his navy to even conquer parts of Spain back. And it's like for a brief period for one man's lifetime Rome again stretched from the Atlantic to Euphrates it looked like the Roman Empire again Rome again owned Rome and then the Arabs powered by Islam come rolling out of Arabia combined with a plague probably from Central Asia and that is that ends essentially any chance of Rome uniting Europe, rising again, absorbing the barbarians, of creating a Mediterranean, Latin-based, Catholic, unified Europe. Europe is never again unified from this point on. It will break up between an East and a West, a Catholic West and a Byzantine Orthodox East, a Slavic East, and a Germanic West. We will get the Dark Ages, an age so dark, literacy drops to almost nothing. 
the classical world is essentially forgotten. It's burned. It's turned into toilet paper. Sophocles wrote a hundred plays. We have seven. Aeschylus wrote a hundred plays. We have seven. We have what the Byzantines saved and then studied. The rest, gone. Destroyed. And so that is the end. Thank you.